What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Best Friends Gaming Pod. Dude, how did I not think about that before? Best Friends Gaming Pod? Yeah. yeah. It was either going to be Games Pod or Pod Gaming or Games. Yeah. Made it there in the end. Made it there in the end. Thank you, video game overlords looking at you uh doug bowser and phil spencer and matt mark ryan those are the those are the overlords of video games chue yoshida's in there somewhere too um him too um because we'll be talking a lot about his game today uh, this is the Best Friends Gaming Pod. Each and every week, Bryant and I talk about video games because we love video games and we're and we're best friends because we've known each other for almost ten years now. How, how crazy is that, Bryant? Has it not been ten already? No, this fall it'll be ten. Really? I thought yeah. I thought it already been ten. I thought I met you in twenty twelve. But you're right. This fall it would be because that's yeah. started at yeah. You're right. You're right. Almost 10 years. Dude, yeah. we got to do something, you know? We got to go on, like, a BFF cruise or something like that. Um, it's good. Um, yeah. something, something that gives us the highest uh, possible opportunity to catch COVID. Yeah, let's go to Sandals. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not going <laughs> I then we can just go to well let's just go to the Smithsonian in DC. Yeah. I've never been. But like the 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 arts one, like the one that has all the movie stuff and all that stuff. Yep. I'm down. We'll do it. The cool one. The cool one for sure. We'll do it. Um stay tuned for if that actually happens. I'm actually I I'm down to make it happen and like we just need to Honestly, it's probably all in my court because you live closer to DC and it's like four hours away. So yeah, we'll we'll do we'll we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. This week, we are talking about Elden Ring. Platinum. Uh, <laughs> it, no, it's actually not a platinum game. It's from software. This whole time, then I've been wrong this whole time. Um, if you don't know, Elden Ring has been highly anticipated since uh, there have been there were rumors of George R. R. Martin working on a story with uh, from software, and it was officially revealed. I want to say just last E three. Is that right? E three, like the official. Yeah, it was E3 in 2019. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. But the first gameplay was shown. Last E3. Last E3. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's been a lot of hype around it. And, you know, when there are games as hyped as Elden Ring, you always wonder, is it going to deliver? And by gosh, has it delivered in droves 
Um, the embargo, the review embargo was lifted the other day. Um, it officially released to the public just hours ago upon recording. And the consensus on Open Critic is a 96. And 100% of critics recommend this game. And on Metacritic, the consensus is 97, making this one of the highest rated games of all time. Yeah, and just for, uh, and just for reference, only four games in history have ever been given a rating of a 98 on Metacritic. Only four mm-hmm. games ever. So it, it's in very, very elite company. It, it's tied with The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Metacritic for score. Yep. Yep, and I think on Open Critic, it's just edged out by uh, Super Mario Odyssey and Ocarina of Time. Yeah, um, I'm going to read the critic consensus on Open Critic. Elden Ring is From Software's best work yet, and one of the highest-rated games of all time. With refined, accessible, and satisfying combat in a vast, beautiful, and intriguing open world. Players will find a lot to love. I am excited. I mean, two of my two of my favorite um, game platforms, um, Game Informer and IGN, both gave it a ten. And one of the harder to please critics on Game Informer, um, but who is a big, big From Software fan said that he believes that this is the greatest game that has ever been made. Now, I have not had enough time to determine that for myself, but everybody that was on that, um, everybody that was on that crew that were having conversations about why they gave it a 10, um, whether they were adept in FromSoft games or whether they were new to them, they all were like, this game is incredible. I did not ever want to put it down. You're going to want to play it. So, I'm really excited to jump in. Um, I've seen a lot of comparisons to Breath of the Wild. Um, and a lot of times in the last five years, when you see games compared to Breath of the Wild, you kind of just like roll your eyes a little bit and like of course you're going to compare it it's an open world game um but from what i hear these comparisons are apt like they're earned and a lot of people have said that exploring the world in elden ring is just as satisfying as it was in breath of the wild and that's something that i've been craving since playing and beating Breath of the Wild. I love just kind of roaming around in the world, discovering things to do. Um, this is... I'm going to say that this is my first like true time playing a Souls game. Yeah. Soulsborne game. Um, I've played games that have been inspired by it, like Jedi Fallen Order... Um, and back in the day, I, I started the original version of Demon Souls on PS3. Um, but like, 
I didn't really get into Demon Souls because that was very punishingly hard for me. And I know that Elden Ring is also going to be difficult, but because you don't have to like complete every fight, like you can if it's in the open world, you can essentially run from the encounter, which is nice. Um I I think it'll be more accessible for players like me who have been intimidated by Soulsborne games. Yeah. And yeah. I'm really looking forward to a deep dive into it. That's that's good. That's good to even hear you say that because, you know, I I'm a huge fan of Soulsborne games. I played all of the Dark Souls. Um I I've not played Bloodborne or Demon Souls because I've have been an avid kind of Xbox owner for a very long time. I've wanted to play those games. I mean, I've also played Sekiro. And, and, there are, and there are so many things about... I think that you every time a From Software game comes out, and there's high anticipation, and the games are almost always of a high quality, but the conversation that typically gets talked about around these games almost always centered around the difficulty. And I think that when you do that, now, those games are known for being difficult, but, and, and also before I get into what I'm going to say, I, I think that a lot of that has been kind of pushed by the fan base, the whole kind of get good meme that has existed around these games, like, you just have to get good to beat these games, which doesn't lend itself to a whole lot of accessibility and it actually says nothing about the game at all. Like, from software games are not unique in the world of video games for being hard games, right? There are lots and lots of games out there that are difficult. You know, I mean, very few people in, in the world have ever beaten Tetris. You know, Tetris is a difficult game. Yep. You know, like, so there's. I mean, Super Mario Brothers are lost levels. That's a difficult game. So there's a bunch of different there's a bunch of different aspects that lend into it, but there's so many things and so many little things that they provide for for players that I think a lot of other games don't do as well. So one of the one of the biggest things is it actually trains within players a an attention to detail because of the world that that you're existing in i mean there's so there's different animations with different weapons in these types of games um you can you can kind of spec into whatever starting character you want and then you can kind of move your stats around to ultimately develop the type of the type of character you want and from what i have heard about elden ring up to this point that that is back in droves after sekiro pretty much took all of that away um there's just so there's so much. I mean, the games are gorgeous. The lore, like them telling fractured story, like fractured storytelling, is unparalleled. The way that they explain lore to you, they don't like hold your hand and make you sit through, you know, hours and hours of exposition to figure out what's going on. They give it to you, and it's up to you to figure it out. You know, and that's that's so. There's so many things that they do well in these games outside of the games just being difficult. But I do think that with Elden Ring, the fact that the game is, there's so much accessibility that exists in the fact that if you get caught 
in a difficult encounter and find a way to get out of it, you can just break line of sight and go the long way around and you don't have to deal with it. You know, or mm-hmm. you can back away, break line of sight, regroup, and then go back in, right? And so, yep. and so you have, that, is, that was an element that was very prevalent in Sekiro, right? The stealth element, which is huge in this game, which is a very viable option, but also, and also the, there's dynamic weather, there's nighttime day, there's night and day cycles um, that can add or detract from some of those things. But then they also have all of these expansive dungeons that are more of the same when, of what you would expect from Dark Souls not, and Soulsborne games, rather. And I, and, I, and I do understand kind of where, you know, I've given you playful, like, hard time over the years about, them. why don't you want to play these games? But a lot of the games have been kind of modeled in, in a way that it's like the only way forward is through whatever obstacle. So you just have to accept the fact that you're probably going to die to this boss 17 times before you beat them um because the only way forward is through this and i think that them going around this like from what i heard on the on on one of the shows i was listening to about Elden ring they said that you have the critical path that you can go on and then you have the whole world to to explore and they said one of the interesting things, one of the guys said that this game is so open. I was listening to him talk about it, and I was like, there's just no way the game is that open. One of the things that he said was this game is so open that there's a, there, he found at least three different ways to get to a main boss that completely and totally allowed you to circumvent their dungeon altogether. The dungeon that was created for the boss he found at least three different paths to get to this boss without even doing their dungeon, which there's so much, there's so much freedom that can almost be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And what I, from, from what I hear that there's so many different ways to go about doing it, um, that there is so much. And so you should just take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this, this type of, exploratory like almost it's like i want to say choice based but i don't think that's what i mean like if you happen upon a path and it might not be the intended path but it still gets you to the destination i love that like i feel like i did that all the time in breath of the wild and just the oh the fact that like you always have i think once you get your mount you always have your mount and the mount can die but like it'll respawn like within like a minute or something like that and like that's really cool that kind of reminds me of uh kind of reminds me of pokemon legends arceus uh which it was more of an instant respawn, but it can still still happen. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to get into this because I feel like Soulsborne games are like a big chunk of modern video games that I just have such little experience or knowledge of. Um, 
and who knows, maybe after playing this game for a hundred hours or whatever, like I, the game's not that long, by the way, it's like, I think I've heard that you can beat the, the main story in like 30 hours, but these games like are so open that, I mean, you'd have to be really dedicated to just playing the story to play for only 30 hours. Yeah. Um, Maybe, who knows, after playing this game for so long, maybe I'll feel confident enough to go back to, like, um, Bloodborne or, like, Dark Souls. Um, Bloodborne was one of the PlayStation Plus games of the month one time, and I always save those, so I have that on PlayStation. Um, I think that might be the only other Soulsborne game that I have, but, I mean, from what I understand... Before this game, Bloodborne was like the yeah. Soulsborne game. Um, yeah, people. Also, Sekiro is pretty highly up there. Um, it's interesting, and I forget what. I was oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it's interesting because in the community as a whole, I think from like a if you if you look at it as objectively as possible, Sekiro is very highly rated. But I think that from the standpoint of the community, Sekiro is like the black sheep that no one talks about just because it does, it takes away a lot of the elements that people have been used to in souls born games, like character customization. It's more of an action adventure game than it is an RPG Mm. in a lot of ways, because you're one character, you look, you look a certain way, you can only use one weapon. So that's that's really it with with Sekiro, whereas that doesn't exist as much. That doesn't exist at all, actually, in the other game. Mm-hmm. Which of the Dark Souls games was like is like the most beloved, and one of them's like kind of a black sheep as well. Yeah, two is two is a little bit of a black sheep. Mm-hmm. People really love three. Okay. People really really love three. One is well-loved, but one is very rigid and wooden in a lot of ways with its combat things. One is my favorite. Um, I know that game backwards and forwards. I mean, there's so much, there's so much stuff with, with those games. I mean, you really do just learn as you go, as you go along. One of, the, one of the things that they have seemingly taken away in some respects in Elden Ring in comparison to other Soulsborne games is that punishing hallway run to get back to where you died that has existed in Soulsborne games or the punishing hallway run to get back to a boss. So it's like you, you die fighting the boss and then the nearest checkpoint is like three minutes away from the boss and you have to go back through, kill all the enemies along the way, get back to the boss and then you go in the boss room and you fight and like going through that over and over and over again is one of the biggest turnoffs I think for most people with these types of games. But in Elden yep. Ring, I think that that's one of those accessibility pieces. Miyazaki referred to it as lowering player stress. So that's one of those areas where I think they've taken some of that away. From what I've heard, it's not much of a spoiler, but the first main boss that you fight in Elden Ring, there's a checkpoint right next to his boss room. So literally, that's nice. So, so like, if you die. You're right there. So you can just jump right back in because that's that's ultimately mm-hmm. what people want when they play these games. People 
people play the games for the for the boss for the for the difficult challenging encounters the challenging encounters that give you really good memories of video game playing not the hallway run back to the place where you're gonna die and then have to do it again. right so um and i think that's something of why i enjoy the legend of zelda games so much is because there's always that checkpoint right before boss encounters yep. um I think that's even true in Breath of the Wild. Um, granted, there aren't as many boss fights. Like, there there are four story boss fights, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe five. Um, but the open, like, the bosses that you come across in the open world are not necessarily like that. But the game has like you can just pause the game and say and save at any moment which was new for zelda games wait no it wasn't not for 3d zelda games some games did have that to where you could just save anytime other games had save points um i'm specifically thinking of majora's mask had save points um Skyward Sword had save points. But other games you could just save from the menu. Um, Which, I like both mechanics, honestly. Um, I think it's funny how Dark Souls games have that trope of saving at a campfire. And it's it's always something campfire-esque. Like in... in, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, it's, what do they call it, like, the, the meditating yeah. circles or something like that? Yeah, and uh, Elden Ring, it's, like, something Grace, I, I don't remember, I literally only encountered one so far, like, like I said, I've only played for, like, 10 or 15 minutes, um, but... I think I think that's a fresher spin on save points because I feel like in a lot of games that had those save points before, it was always like a statue or something that you would come to. Yeah. Or like if you're if you were playing a Mario RPG, it was always like a floating book or something like that. So I appreciate that Hideki Miyazaki. Um made it a little fresher but then again now that there's been what is this like the eighth soulsborne game dark souls one two and three demon souls bloodborne uh sekiro sekiro um, seventh Elden Ring. If you don't count Dark Souls Remastered, then yeah. Or if you don't call count Demon Souls Remastered. Oh. If you count Demon Souls Remastered, then it brings it up to nine. If you count Dark Souls. Yeah. So. so um Yeah, I'm wondering if that save system I I that's probably that's probably like a very minor thing like how you save where you save like you just 
I don't know. When games fall into tropes, that's like when you can you can say that the the game needs refreshing, and that's exactly what they did with Elden Ring because I mean yep. it was pretty much pretty much a linear game series up until Elden Ring, and now it's they've done a complete one eighty in that and pretty much it's as linear as you want it to as you want it to be. Yeah, player agency is huge. Mm-hmm. Like player agency is is huge, and I think that like one of the things that I think I would say for anyone who's listening who is you know probably interested in Elden Ring, given how well it has been talked about thus far, you basically have to go into the game expecting to die like that's the thing like 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 you have to go into these types of games expecting that you will die a lot right you it shouldn't be one of those where you're like i don't want to die like i don't want to die i don't want to have to go through that because that's all a part that's a part of the i mean it's a part of the systems built within the game like there are things that are supposed to punish you for making mistakes or, you know, charging headlong into an area that you've never been to before. Like, they, they, they put those things in there to teach the player to be more vigilant and aware of their surroundings. It's not necessarily to handicap you, but it's actually to provide you awareness. Like, awareness is probably one of the most... Awareness is probably one of the most positive tools that you can be given in a game like this. Knowing, okay... And on top of that, I mean, this other accessibility things too, like a map. Maps don't exist in Soulsborne games. Mm-hmm. Like this game has a map. This game has a map, and you can find map fragments that will give you that will give you kind of an overall picture of any area that you're in. And so when you find those, mm-hmm. um, you're able to then see different points of interest, and as you find different things, you, you know, you'll be able to put markers down or waypoints down to be able to check those things out so and i think one of the things that i heard somebody say was from somebody who's newer to Soulsborne games they said that even though i knew that i was going to die a lot i knew mm-hmm. that the longer the longer that i spent in this world the better that i was going to get and the better that my character was going to get. And so ultimately you would get to a place where you were good enough and strong enough to win. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a, that's a huge piece of that. Another, another piece is the multiplayer aspects of this game. Um, There's a lot less hoops to jump through with multiplayer. I think that you can, um, it's easier to play with friends. You can, you can actually password protect your co-op summon spots if you just want to play with friends, you can actually tell them this is what the password is. Come on and, and join us. Is it cross-plat? I don't think so. Dang it. I don't, I don't think it's cross-plat. Now, if it was cross-plat, that'd be insane. I don't know. If it is, we should totally play. Did you get it on PlayStation? I did. Nice. Um... Brian, I have some breaking news from Video Games Chronicle. 
I would just I was just sent this article. Um, Fallout New Vegas Two is reportedly in very early talks at Microsoft. No way. This this comes from VentureBeat's Jeff Grubb on his uh, premium giant bomb show Grub Snacks. He says this is very early, but people have begun to have talks and say that these words in sentences and those words are obsidian and new vegas too grub said we're talking years and years away there's at least an interest in conversations happening about something like that actually being a reality grub added a lot of people at microsoft think that this could work and there's a lot of interest to make it happen Mm. um yeah so if you've been listening to Weisscast for a while and have been following Bryant and I. Um, we've talked about our favorite games. Uh, we we had a whole episode talking about our favorite game from each year in the previous decade. Mm. And of course, my 2010 favorite game was Fallout New Vegas. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and I've always thought it, it's a shame that Obsidian had not had a chance to create a follow-up um now they did do a spiritual successor with outer worlds um but i think i've talked about this before as well i when i play an open world game now i want something like new and outer worlds to me kind of felt like comfort food it felt like because even though it was a completely new story and world, it felt like Fallout. And because I had such a bad taste in my mouth from Fallout 4, I didn't want to play Outer Worlds. Um, oh, it sucks. But I, huh. I said, oh, that sucks. Yeah, I know. Outer Worlds is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just didn't bring enough new for me. And I, I've played a few, like decent number of hours of it yeah. a couple different times. But um, yeah, I, I think that with a world like the world of New Vegas, I think that that would be enough to bring me back in. Um, granted, like Jeff Grubb said, this is years and years out, but... Brian, do you think before or after Elder Scrolls 6? Dude, Elder Scrolls 6 is going to come out in like 2026. 20, 20, like, that mm-hmm. game is never going to come out. Uh, before or after Elder Scrolls 6? After. After okay. for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. because out of. I mean, Obsidian is already kind of rocking and rolling with the Outer Worlds as a franchise. Outer Worlds Two yeah. has already been announced, so that clearly will come out before. And they have already announced a new IP avowed. Yes, which we've seen nothing about. We have not, and I mean, I'm kind of expecting to get updates on Avowed this summer. Yeah. 
between E3 and Summer Games Fest. Um, I'm pretty excited for... Uh, I mean, I just think Obsidian makes great RPGs. They do. Like, they're... I don't know if they get the love that they deserve. Like, I think people kind of... I, I, I don't know if people consider them a triple-A developer. They might think of them more as double-A or single-A, but I, th- I think... I think that they've earned that status as AAA. For a long time, they probably, not, not they, pigeonholed themselves, but they were pigeonholed into only doing sequels or remakes. Yep. Right. So, I mean, Obsidian did Knights of the Old Republic 2, and they did Fallout New Vegas, but they also did, mm-hmm. I mean, they also did the original one. So, I mean... Yeah, the uh, the developers at Obsidian, the people that made that studio, are made up of people who created the original Fallout series. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think that's I think that's incredible that they took an isometric RPG that they created and then. The uh, studio closed, rights went to Bethesda. Bethesda made an amazing open-world action RPG Yep. For, from first-person perspective. Um, and people fell in love with the series all over again, and it got actually wider acclaim because it was more accessible to people. It was on console and stuff. And then Obsidian was granted the rights to make a follow-up to that with Fallout New Vegas, and um, because they were the original develop consisting of the original developers, they brought back some of some of the quirk that maybe wasn't in Fallout Three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I think that this is only good news. Um, I think that. I mean, we've we've talked about it before. Microsoft's sit, sitting on a gold mine. I mean, they have so many IP that they could bring. Um, and that, like, over the next, over this console life cycle, I think, we're going to see that Microsoft is very much dominating on the games front. Think so? I mean, with his access, the access to as many IP as they have and just the quality studios that they have under their umbrella, I'd be shocked if at the end of this generation, we weren't talking about just how good Xbox was. Fair. They certainly have a lot of promise. That's for sure. Yeah. Xbox normally, I mean, Microsoft do a pretty good job at letting, letting their groups kind of do, do their thing. So, and, let's see. I mean, two of the best games of the year last year, um, I mean, granted, they had to release multiplat because of previous agreements, but or on like in the case of 
Deathloop, it had to release on PlayStation only because of previous agreement. But those are both Microsoft Studios, and those got uh, Deathloop and Psychonauts Two both got real high acclaim. Yeah, true. And uh, Forza Horizon Five won IGN's Game of the Year. So, I mean, they're, and all three of those games were in the Game of the Year conversation um, across the industry. So, I mean, Xbox is sitting pretty right now, I think. And yet you bought Elden Ring on PlayStation. How dare you? I had more storage on my PlayStation. Now we can't co-op. I gotta be honest, when I pre-ordered it, I did not know that co-op was a thing. Oh, you should have asked me. Hey, Brian, you like Soulsborne games? Let me ask you questions about it. Send me a questionnaire that I can fill out. Yes. Yes. I'll make a Google form. Yeah, make a Google form. Does this game have co-op? Yes. Is it fun? (laughs) Yes. Should we play together? Yes. Yes. it's It's so, yeah. Man, Fallout New Vegas two. Caleb, Caleb is gonna lose his mind. <laughs> Caleb is gonna lose his mind. Um, kind of getting off topic here for a second. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. It's not. It's not. It's not super off topic. It's still Bethesda. Um, when do you think we'll see like an actual look at Starfield? This summer. Yeah. It's supposed to come out this November. <laughs> so. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> like, it's supposed to come out this November. So. Yep. And they haven't shown a dang thing. Not, nothing except that trailer. That, it, yeah, it was cinematic and. Yep. Didn't answer any questions. No. Nope. In fact, maybe raised more questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, surely, surely Bethesda isn't going to be forced to push back their favorite release date. 11-11. 11 They love releasing games on 11-11, so... Yeah, they do. Surely they're going to keep it. We have to. We have to see something this summer. So I yeah, I mean, this, this game was announced at least four or five years ago. Yeah. And we finally got our first taste of it last summer. They got to get this with... right. Yep. <laughs> they got to get this right. They, I mean, a lot of people loved Fallout 4, but a lot of Fallout fans did not love Fallout 4. Um, Fallout 76. It got there. It got there. It got there, but it, it, it was a painful road. It also, um, I think that it was around the time when games of service were still kind of new. Yep. As like a viable genre going for it. And so I think when people saw the, I remember the announcement, people were like on Bethesda's pages and they had the, you know, please waiting fallout kind of thing. And everybody was like, holy crap, we're already getting a new fallout game. Yep. So everybody naturally expected it to be an RPG and it wasn't. And I think that initially turned people off. But they stuck with it. They kept they kept going and eventually got there, but it did take some time. 
Yeah, it did. Um, and actually, I mean, it has a pretty solid community behind it, pretty solid player base. I mean, not as big as, like, your Destinies or, I don't know, what are other games of service that are out there? I feel like Destiny's the biggest one. Uh, Avengers is one, but I don't know if it has. I think, like, 76 and Avengers are probably about the same footing. Yeah, and then there's one that is free that people have been playing for a while. Off the top of my head, I can't can't remember. Not Genshin. Not Genshin. Um, Gosh, what is the name? Uh, Um... I don't know. I'll talk my head, I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, there was a time there for like the middle 2010s where Games as a Service was the next big thing. Yeah. And a lot of people were trying it. And like they were trying to copy Destiny. Um, The Division was one of them. Yes, The Division was one. Um, And... They all had varying success. Um, What ended up happening, like most things, is developers took the good from from games as a service, like the ongoing nature, and applied it to other genres, such as Battle Royale. Yep. And that's when we saw the rise of like PUBG Fortnite. and Fortnite and Apex. Yep. And now it's even been added to other genres like Arena Shooter. Yeah. And that's how we have Halo Infinite. Um and I'm I know that there are others as well, Warzone. but Warzone. Um which isn't an arena shooter, but yeah. There is an arena when you die. True. There is. There is. And I found out the other day from a clip I saw on the internet that if, you're, if your health is low enough when you're in the arena, um, in the, when you're in the gulag, that the people who are throwing rocks from the top can actually kill you. Oh, nice. <laughs> saw that the other day. That was, super, that was super funny. Anthem was another one. We don't talk about Anthem. Uh- Anthem. Oh gosh, the great failure that was Anthem. Yeah, unlucky, unlucky Bioware. Yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda died for that game. He was sacrificed. Yep. <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda and died for that game. Unreal. Was it worth it? No, nope. not even a little bit. Not even kind of. They should have sacrificed Anthem for Mass Effect Andromeda. Unreal man, unreal. Yeah, I think if I think if they had put the the R and D and time into Anthem, or not Anthem, well into either of them, instead of developing two huge games around the same time, um, they would have been a lot better off. Feel like feel like you you know you're speaking too much sense here. You gotta. Gotta dial it back a little bit, you know what I mean? 
Hey, they should put me in charge of something. Yeah. I'll be the next, uh, who was the fake CEO of PlayStation during the PlayStation 3? Kevin something? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I want to be the, I want to be like that. I want to be a, like a, a fake executive for one of the big games, um, companies out there. Dude. Just, just be the face of it. Anything you, anything you want to set your mind to, you can achieve, man. Like beating Elden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you come full circle. We have, and that means we need to get to twenty questions real quick. Yep. And I have. Might go play it as soon as we're done. Yep. Same. I have a game in mind. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that if. If I was to say guess right now, then 20 questions would be over. And we could then go and play Elden Ring. Yep. Huh. Well, with that in mind, was this game released before January 1st, 2010? It was not. Oh, was it released before January 1st, 2015? It was not. Was this game released before January 1st, 2020? It was. Okay. We got a newer game in our midst. A little, little fire window, all right? I can, I can get on board with that. Is this game and is this game an exclusive? It is not. It is not multi platinum. All right. Um. Is this? Oh man, the multi plats are always hard. Um. Was this game made by an American developer? It was not. Okay. Japanese developer? Yes. Okay. Japanese developer released before 2020. Is this game a... Is this game a part of the Fighting button mashing genre? It is not. Okay. All the all the Japanese studios. I should have just asked about those. Is this a Konami game? Nope. Sega? Nope. Bandai Namco? No. You you hesitated there. <laughs> I had to double check. Uh, I have it up on my second screen. Gotcha. Is it from software? Yes. Oh, oh man. Release 
before 2020. Has this game won game of the year? Yes. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Aaron. Yeah. Does this game take place in a stylized version of Japan? Yep. Is this game Sekiro? It is. Oh my gosh. Literally the exact same game. We'll see how many weeks in a row we can use Sekiro. I said it's from software. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. And there we go. Folks, this has been the Best Friends Gaming Pod. Uh, kind of on Elden Ring. Kind of scatterbrained. But entertaining nonetheless. Bryant and I have to play Elden Ring right now. So I just loaded it up. We will see you next week. See you next week.